Hey everyone. The concept of gentle parenting is something that I have always been really intrigued by and something that I have tried to implement in my own life in certain ways. I'm sure most of you have heard my most downloaded episode, episode 39, The Five Biggest Mistakes I've Made as a Mom, where I confess my battle with frustration with my boys and how I'm working toward grace and patience as a mom. So I invited Dilshad, the creator and mama behind the large platform, The Gentle Mama, to share her expertise on the subject. Dilshad and I differ in opinion on some things, but one of my favorite parts about podcasting, if not my favorite part, is having the opportunity to hear from a variety of people in different walks of life and to still learn from one another. On this episode, Dilshad talks about her experience with punitive punishment as she grew up in an Indian family and why she wanted something very different for her son. She shares examples of gentle parenting for us to learn from and how we as mamas can battle the urge to yell at our children or act out in anger. So convicting all the time. And when we stopped recording, Dilshad told me that she had never said yes to a podcast interview before because she is shy. She has turned down all previous requests. And so I felt very humbled and honored to have had her on the Living Easy podcast for her very first podcast interview. So I would really love it if you guys would take a second after listening to the episode to share some encouragement with her, a few words through a DM, and let her know if you enjoyed the episode and what your feedback was. It's a huge blessing if you would tag a screenshot of the episode and tag at The Gentle Mama and at Living Easy Podcast to let us and others know what you thought of the episode. If you're new to The Living Easy Podcast, I am all about real and raw life with a faith-based perspective. I talk about motherhood, marriage, sex and communication, friendship, studying the word, all kinds of things from a raw and honest perspective because I want others to know Nobody has it all together. But also my motto is nothing changes if nothing changes. So I think by sharing the real and the raw, it brings freedom to others to realize we're all working toward the same goal. We all desire to have a good, joyful, abundant life. And therefore, let us fight for it together. So that is my heart on the Living Easy Podcast. If you're new, I would love for you to check out some previous episodes. But until then, let's jump into today's conversation. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Well, we want to welcome everyone to the Living Easy Podcast. And this is Dilshad. And Dilshad, you live in New Zealand. Is that correct? That's right. Auckland. Auckland. Okay. So my husband and I, that's where we went for our honeymoon. We went to the North Island and we started in Auckland for two days and then we traveled around. We still talk about it pretty much once a week. <laughs> and it's been a long, long time, but we loved it so much. 
Oh, you guys should definitely do another trip once all this nightmare is over. We plan to because when we were on the North Island, everyone we ran into said that we have to go to the South Island. Have you been to the South uh, Island? Absolutely. I have, but not as much as I'd prefer to. We've had quick trips before my son was born, of course, but we'd be meaning to do it eventually. Is it as great as everyone says? Or do you think North Island is oh, a good competitor? It is. It is actually. It's got a lot more sort of landscape. Yeah, that's what we it's, love. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So how old is your baby? My baby is going to be three years old this Thursday. Boy or girl? Boy. How sweet. Three years old. Well, happy birthday to him. <laughs> thank you. Sure. So thank you so much for coming on. And all my heart, I've just loved watching you on your Instagram page promoting thank you. gentle parenting. I really loved following along with the gentle mama on Instagram. And I don't know too much about gentle parenting, but I feel like I'm learning so much. It just makes me really thankful for the resources that we do have on social media. So sure. I just want to jump in and ask yeah. when and why you began pursuing this journey of gentle parenting activism. What prompted you to launch your Instagram page and start encouraging other moms in this area? I was born and raised in India. Typical traditional home, punitive parenting practices passed down from generation to generation. It was absolutely normalized. Like we didn't even think there was anything wrong with that. Not that our homes weren't full of fun and love, but it was so ingrained in our life that it just seemed a part of life. You have fun, you love your family, and you punish or hit them or, you know, other punitive methods of parenting. It was as sort of normal as it could get. I never really gave parenting a lot of thought after I grew up, I just took it for granted that, yeah, one day if I have kids, I'll just parent them the way I was parented. That all changed at work one day during lunch break as I was surfing the web. I came across this article by Arnost. Now, she is my biggest, biggest mentor. She's been the biggest inspiration in my journey. As I read through the article, I felt like, you know, Alice in Wonderland falling through a rabbit hole. I <laughs> couldn't stop reading article after article. And the more I read, the more I was completely convinced that this is what I want for me myself, my children, my family, this is what I want. Even before my son was born in 2017, I knew that this is how I'm going to parent him and I am going to change the narrative. But only motivated me to do something more substantial. Originally, when I started Gentle Mama on Instagram and Facebook, the goal was simple to share a bit about our life, our gentle parenting journey and document it, talk about our victories, our struggles, and at the same time, be an activist for children and use my voice for them. It was a space to actually you know, follow other gentle parenting activists and learn from them and educate myself. And it still is. And we have substantially grown in the two and a half years. But that yeah. is still the basic point of the page was so that I could actually learn from all these experts and incorporate all that in my life. I'm curious, Dilshad, have you had this conversation with your parents about gentle parenting? Yes. With my mom, yes. All my family's back in India. We rarely get to spend time together. But when we do, yes, I have had a conversation with her. She totally, she gets it, but it's generational. Right. It passes from generation to generation. And until you have all the resources and all the material, like we are so lucky in our generation to have all this information at our fingertips. 
I know a lot of people in my are in my safe place that I am where we've been parented not the gentlest of ways and we are trying to make a change with our children and a lot of them always have this at the back of their mind that if they parent differently from their parents maybe they are sort of not being respectful towards their parents or you know stuff like that but the way I have learned to see it is they did the best they could with the knowledge and information they had yeah, that is what I good. choose to believe they did the best they could and now I have all this information and knowledge and I'm going to do the best I can with this information. To educate our listeners, can you just talk a little bit about the differences between punitive and gentle parenting? Say somebody has never heard about gentle parenting. They may have grown up a little bit with getting spankings or whatever it might be. What are the main differences? Punitive parenting basically works on the basis that to teach our children, you have to deprive them of something or you have to impose something unpleasant on them. Unpleasant like banking, timeouts, like ignoring them, bribing them, threatening them, stuff like that. It works to gain short-term goal of compliance, right? You want your child to obey immediately. You want your child to comply immediately. And that's going to happen because they're going to be scared of what's going to happen otherwise. Now, if we want to raise children who who are scared of authority, who are not going to stand up for themselves and other people in their lives, who are not going to be sure of their own voice, then yeah, that's the way to go. But I know that's not what we want. While we want them to comply to us, we don't want them to be a doormat or don't want them to be taken advantage of, right? It's hard work trying to sort of raise children with balance. So raise children where you can entice cooperation, but also not stifle their voice in the process, which is what gentle parenting is about. So gentle parenting is just one of the terminology you might have heard it being called peaceful parenting, responsive parenting, conscious parenting, respectful parenting. It all means the same thing. It just means that we are moving away from what the society and older generations parent the way they parented traditionally. We're moving away from that. We're learning more, leaning towards ourselves, trying to come in the conscious, know, get aware of our own selves, and then think of our children as not as extensions of us, but as a person of their own, just like we would respect and treat an adult, a friend, a spouse. Um, we strive to do that to our children too. I want to go toward some practical implementation because I'm really open with my audience about my struggles with parenthood and just feeling like I get frustrated. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old and my five-year-old is, he's so sweet and gentle. And then my two-year-old, and he's got a mind of his own, just like every kid, but he's very energetic and he's very stubborn. And it's hard for me because I was raised similarly with spanking, but mostly like grounded or timeout. Say a mom is really frustrated and a child is throwing a tantrum or a five-year-old is really angry and talking back and slamming doors. What are some good anger coping mechanisms that moms can utilize to train their children up more gently? How do they handle these types of situations with gentle parenting? Anger, firstly, is seen as a negative emotion, right? Because anger makes everybody uncomfortable. What actually is making people uncomfortable is the behavior that follows anger, is what we choose to do when we are feeling angry, not the feeling. We tell ourselves that it's not good to get angry. 
when we get angry, we feel incredible guilt about it. And that gets transferred to when our children feel angry. When they feel angry, we feel that we don't want them to end up like us feeling angry. And we have to stop that. So I think that's something that, although I have the realization about it, is something that I've been trying to work at and is extremely hard. Like I mess up all the time. For practical tips, I try to notice when I'm feeling triggered. I notice when I'm not rested, when I'm hungry, when I'm feeling unseen or unheard or unappreciated. That is when I can't handle my own triggers or that is when I feel the smallest of things can get a big reaction out of me. When I'm feeling calmer, when I'm feeling more at peace with myself, I can be extremely graceful and calm with any of my relationships. I can show up as a different person. In the moment, it's super hard to sort of realize all this. And even if you know all this in the back of your mind to actually put it into practice, this is one thing that I've been trying to do. Dr. Laura Markham from AHA Parenting and Vivek Patel from Meaningful Ideas. Those two, I read a lot about parenting on their websites and their page on their social media. And I've learned from them that when I'm feeling angry, especially when I'm thinking I'm going to start yelling, I move away from my son. For example, if I'm at the kitchen, And if he's on the dining table throwing things around, for example, right? Right. He's throwing his food and I'm feeling the anger come up. I find myself itching to yell. I just quickly turn the tap on my kitchen sink and just start splashing water on my face. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but um, for me, it has worked. Especially, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it just sort of pulls me back in that moment. Because at that point, our brain is in fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. So any response that's going to come out is going to be a good response. We are not going to be able to teach our children anything in that moment. I want to calm myself down. And when I'm calm, only then I'll be able to teach something to my son. Or else I'm just going to show him that when things don't go your way, you just yell and get angry. Guess what he is learning then? When he does it, he gets yelled at too. So they've also mentioned that you can even leave the room. But my son is three and he doesn't even let me go to the toilet without yeah. him. So that's He'll chase you, chase you down. <laughs> I actually really love that. It's kind of alerts you, alerts you to reality. Because the thing is, is like you're saying, Dilshad, when we get into this place, we don't want to react to our anger. We don't want to act out of our anger. We want to learn to respond to our children graciously and to teach them respect. And you had mentioned fear. Would you talk a little bit about the difference between creating fear in a child and forcing obedience versus teaching respect. What are some ways that you've navigated through that? Respect is sort of, you know, coming from an Indian culture. Indian and Asian cultures, they are huge on respect, right? Yeah, right. So the quote from Sarah Oakwell Smith, I love this quote. She says, respect cannot be taught. It is earned and it develops naturally. So the more you respect somebody, the more they will observe you do that, especially your children. Like the best way to teach your children is modeling. Do whatever. They're not going to do what we say. They're going to do what we do. So model respectful behavior towards your children, towards other family members, and towards yourself. They will pick that up. When you force obedience, it only results into a child who is now scared of being their true, honest, authentic selves in front of you. Forcing won't really teach them that they learn lip service. They learn to say thank you and sorry because they just meant to. They won't genuinely feel grief or gratitude. They're right. just going to say it because they know they're going to get in trouble otherwise. How would you say that you show your son or that you try to, because of course we're all imperfect, 
But how would you say yeah. you try to yeah. show your son respect even at the age of three? How do you exemplify that? It basically starts at birth. Respect their space, respect what they're doing. When we play with them or when we change their diaper, when we change their clothes, you're not going to ask them because they are non-verbal. You're not going to say, may I change a diaper? But you can say, I'm going to change a diaper now. And you read their clues. If they are not a newborn, but maybe a few months down, if they feel fidgety or if they don't feel like they're going to stay still while you change the diaper, you don't shove your hand on them and force them to do that. You try and come up with a favorite toy, some music, something to entertain them, something to make the process easy for them. Similarly, if an older toddler, a year old, is sitting on their high chair and eating, I always try not to actually come from the back and wipe my son's face. I think of myself, if I'm sitting in a restaurant and if the waiter or somebody <laughs> came and did that, oh my God. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so now that he's growing up, I try and give him choices. He can choose what he, in a structured way, of course, keeping safety and health and everything into consideration. But he still has a choice whether he wants to wear certain clothes, whether he wants to eat from a certain plate, whether he wants to sit on a certain chair. They're really little things. But I find that when I give him that choice, when I let him choose things, when I let him sort of, you know, when I respect his decisions, try to work with him instead of always wanting to be right or always wanting to be in control. Hey all, just a quick break because many of you have asked how you can support this ministry. One thing that you may not know is that the Living Easy podcast reaches far outside of the US. We have listeners in Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, China, and more. The gospel is being spread literally around the world, and you can be a part of that. All you have to do is go to patreon.com backslash living easy to join. You can simply support the ministry with a few dollars a month or 10 cents per day, or you can join the coffee date thing or the bestie thing. With the coffee date thing, I am building real face-to-face friendships with the women who are a part of that community. I get on once a month on Zoom and we talk about real life and faith and marriage and relationships and just chat, real, real conversation. For the bestie thing, I want to support you. I will share one person per month on my social platform to over 40,000 followers and to tens of thousands of email subscribers and allow them to hear about your business or your social platform. So again, just go to patreon.com backslash living easy to check out all of the options. Thanks guys. I love that you bring that up because that's something that I have actually been learning as well in allowing my children to have a choice in the things that they do. It's been incredibly beneficial for us to kind of quote unquote pick our battles and realize that they need this sense of like positive power every single day. They also need to feel like they have some sense of control and they're not just being constantly told how to live their lives and what to do. And it's been really interesting with my youngest son, the one stubborn like me, when I tell him this time we need to go and brush your teeth. And he says, no, I don't like brushing my teeth. No, I will say, okay. And I used to just say, we have to brush your teeth. We're brushing your teeth. I'm sitting you up on the counter and we're brushing your teeth. And it was just so uncomfortable for me because it's a good thing. And I didn't want it to turn into a negative thing. Yeah. So lately, it's been giving the choice, just like you're saying. And 
it is changed the game. We just did it tonight, actually, where he said he didn't want to do it. And I said, okay, that's fine. You can either choose to not brush your teeth or you can choose to brush your teeth or you can choose to not have candy because candy can create cavities and sweets and things like that. And so that's okay. But tomorrow you can't have candy because you're choosing not to brush your teeth or dessert or whatever. And I said, so which one do you pick? And he said, I'll brush my teeth. And he was excited. And he said, because I get dessert and just giving a small choice like that and giving maybe some sense of consequence, would you say that's a form of gentle parenting or is it still being restrictive in telling him that's something he can't have? It does fall under sort of consequences. Natural consequences are sort of fall under gentle parenting, natural consequences, which means if you don't brush, your teeth will fall out. But when things (laughs) in the... Yeah, brushing teeth is a healthy health issue, right? So here we have to sort of have some boundaries around it. Okay, You have to have some boundaries around it. I know full well about brushing teeth. It is the biggest battle in our homes. I guess telling them that you can choose between having candy or dessert, again, is falls in a gray area because in a roundabout way, it doesn't come out as an outright threat. It's like kind of a reverse bribe. And <laughs> Totally. Oh, I, I've, I've done that myself. So I know when I'm, when I'm completely out of my mind and when yes. you know, I've had a long day and I have a three-year-old who doesn't want to brush, like <laughs> I'm not an expert and I'm no, in no way, you know, I fail so many times and so many times I'll like, you know, bribe him with, okay, you can watch this or you can listen to the song and let me brush your teeth. At the end of the day, knowing that that's not the best way to go and actually, you know, trying to come up with a better plan, that's the most you can do. Let's talk about this. It's so interesting. And I love the different perspectives. And I in no way think you're saying, oh, you're failing because it's a totally different realm than what I know and what I've been even surrounded with, with other mama friends. I don't even know, do you use the word discipline? Do you use with your son? If he gets in trouble, you don't spank, you don't do timeout, no threats or bribes. How do you manage when he, say he hits you or hits somebody else or acts aggressively or throws a temper tantrum? What would you do in that moment? So all of this has happened. (laughs) He has hit me, he hits me. He's starting to get a little aggressive at times. I love the concept of time in. Time ins are the opposite of timeouts. What timeouts basically do is sort of forced isolation. Children are sort of sent to a separate space and asked to think about what they did. What essentially time ins do is it basically means you have your child by yourself, give them time to calm down. You co-regulate your emotions with them. So the adult or the caregiver with the child firstly needs to be in a calm space themselves. A child can only regulate their emotions with a calm and regulated adult. Only then they'll be able to regulate their own emotions. In instances where my son is, he's trying to hit me, for example. Now what I'll do is like, if he's caught me off guard, I know he's going to do it again. So I tell him, no hitting, please. And I'll stop doing whatever I was doing and pay attention to him. And most likely he's going to try and hit me again. When he does that, I have started holding onto his hands and telling him don't hit. Now, sometimes that'll sort of just stop him from hitting and he'll just start doing something else. But when he is in that space where I can sense that he's not going to stop and this is going to end with him becoming really upset, I've started noticing how I'm feeling. I start calming myself in anticipation of what is to come. 
every time he tries to hit me, he gets upset because he can't hit me and I'm holding his hands in mid shot. So he's trying to hit me and I just grab his hand midair and try to stop him from hitting me. And he gets upset and he has a full blown cry. Most of the times, my son is the kind of person who does not want to be held while he's crying. He does not want to be held when he is having a meltdown or an emotional release. Like if he's hurt himself and fallen down, then he wants to be held. So that's a different situation. Right. But in a situation where when he's having sort of a meltdown or he's releasing all his emotions, he just likes me to stay beside him. And that's what I do. I'll pat his back. If he doesn't want me to pat his back, he'll move away. And that's my cue that he doesn't want me to pat his back. If he doesn't move, I'll just stay there, pat his back, wait for him to calm down. After he's calm, he will come and climb into my lap and I just snuggle with him for a bit. Completely calm. He starts doing activity or something like that. I go and connect with him. I do the activity with him. Once we have a moment where I think that he is going to actually, you know, give attention to what I have to say to him. There's this technique that I learned from Dr. Laura Markham where she says that narrate the incident. So I narrate the incident. I start telling him, you remember what happened a few hours ago? You were playing and then you decided to hit mom. Mom held your hands and that upset you a lot and you weren't able to hit mom. So you felt really sad and angry and you released all your emotions. Although he is still just three, his communication has bloomed in the last few months. So I can see him understand what I'm saying. I can see him reflect on what has happened. And we talk about it. I say, I see you were, you know, you hit mom because mom was doing something else. You wanted my attention, but that's not how we get somebody's attention. And we talk about what he could do the next time. I validate his emotions. I say it's completely fine to feel angry. Mom feels angry a lot of times. This is what mom does when she feels angry. Would you like to try that next time? In a few days, he will do it again. But that's what it is, right? To rewire their brains, it has to be consistent. You have to keep saying it over and over and over again. It's not a quick fix. It's not going to happen overnight. To mess up and... I always apologize after I have behaved badly with him. Yeah, we talk a lot about that on Living Easy as well of the asking for forgiveness. But I think that's so interesting. So you will typically wait to address the issue then. You won't usually handle it until the emotions have died down. Absolutely, because what happens is when they are in the midst of all their emotions, they are not in the mind frame to listen to anything you say. They are not going to absorb anything at all. Toddlers' prefrontal cortex is underdeveloped. They don't have the ability to do a lot of things that we as adults can. In that moment of chaos, anything we say is just going to add to their misery or add to the struggle they're going through. So if we want our words to have an impact, I have learned that it's best to just wait and let their emotions pass. There's a very beautiful video. I think it's by Joel Mitchell. His daughter, she was having a full-blown emotional release and he just sat there beautifully holding space with her. It was a beautiful video. That's a very great example of um, doing that. I mean, I'm just envisioning myself as you talk because usually for me, timeout has been our go-to in saying, okay, this behavior is out of control or whatever and I feel myself having a heightened response. So for me, I feel oh my gosh, I just need you to make space or I'm going to get angry. But I think so much of that is practicing self-control within ourselves. And like you said, going and splashing water on our face or walking outside and taking a really deep breath. But in the moment, say you're holding him and he just continues screaming and yelling, then you just sit with him. 
Yeah, yeah. Let him scream. scream. I mean, if it's in public, I know it's <laughs> you know, hard <laughs> yeah. to think about doing something like that. But just sit with him. Just let him scream. Let him yell. Let him shout. Because that is how he is releasing his frustration, his anger. Teaching him methods how to do that better comes after he's finished releasing his frustration. We know if we are frustrated, you know, you can go have a chat with somebody or, you know, journal or something like that. That is what makes me feel better when I'm in that situation. I'll teach him to stomp his feet. I'll teach him to move, to dance. That is how all the frustration and all this energy in his body, he can release that without screaming or yelling. And I am confident that in the future, this is what he will do instead of yelling and screaming. And there have been many people whose children who have seen their children take on board the ideas that they teach him. So I'm very hopeful that's going to happen soon. Yeah, I love that. So this will be my last question to you. What would you say to moms who have older children and they have already created this kind of maybe tone in their home of anger and frustration and reacting immediately? to their child's behavior, when they've already created that tone, how would they go backwards aside from practicing self-control within themselves in order to kind of restructure their home to not be one of yelling at one another and acting on their anger? What I have read about this and what has really resonated with me is if your children are old enough to understand what you're saying and communicate with you, being honest with them, telling them that This is what we used to do in our home. I have changed my mind because I have educated myself now and I have this information and I'd like us to stop yelling at each other, try a different way. It's not going to be easy in the beginning because obviously, depending on what age your children are, they're not going to actually believe that that's going to happen and there's going to be resistance. They're going to maybe even try and do their best to get you to sort of resort or make you feel that you have to resort to your old ways. But talking to children and keeping on track and showing them, proving to them that you are committed to this behavior, apologizing works wonders, letting them know. So when you yell, let them know that even mid-yell, you can stop mid-yell and say, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to be yelling. There was this time when every time I yell at my son, I apologize to him after or even mid-yell, I stop and say, sorry, I shouldn't be talking to you in this way. I think it was last week, I was starting to get a little, you know, antsy with him and starting to raise my voice a little. And he says, mama, don't talk to me like that. That stops me in my tracks. That is some accountability. Like the older children will be able to, you know, say that to you, that keep each other accountable. So I haven't had to face that situation, but this is the advice that I have heard and that really resonates with me. And what yeah. I'd say to someone. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm really eager to reflect on this conversation because like I said, I've been looking into different forms of parenting, reading a lot of books because I think the best way to make an educated decision for yourself or your home is to research and to listen to women who have gone Absolutely. before you and women who are in the thick of it with yeah. you. And we yeah. definitely do things differently than you do, but I feel like it feels so freeing to me to think of that. I think there's yeah. a reason for that, that there's freedom in calm and not chaos and responding instead of reacting and sitting instead of yelling. That is just the natural yeah. way of us to act in anger, but that's not for me like what I'm called to as a person. And so I just am so thankful for you being willing to have this conversation, Dilshad. And 
For our listeners, if you want to follow along with Dilshad, you can go to Instagram. You can find her at the Gentle Mama M A M M A, and she has a bunch of resources that you can look at, and she shares a lot of quotes and. I also noticed, Dilshad, this is just a thumbs up to you that New York Times Parenting is following you. And I feel like that's pretty huge. Oh, <laughs> that's exciting. Uh, I didn't even know that until you mentioned. So, <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that is so cool. No. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for your time. And all the way in New Zealand, I'm over here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we are on different sides oh, of the world. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for staying up so late and doing this so late. Oh no, it's a pleasure. I am a night owl, so it works well for me, but thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, follow along with Dilshad, just continue to pursue and look into the variety of parenting styles. I really do love all of the resources and I feel like I learned something from everything that you post. So I will tag Dilshad. I will post her information in the show notes. If you guys haven't had a chance to rate and review the podcast, please take a second to do so. Just scroll down from iTunes and give a quick star rating and review. This helps to get interviewees like Dilshad on the show and also to just hear your feedback and what you thought of the episode. We love you guys. We're thankful for you. And Dilshad, thank you so much again. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too, so don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.myestis. Love you guys.